Are you an agent struggling to understand real estate economics? Would you benefit from learning how top agents structure their businesses? Then you've come to the right place. And welcome to the Nerdy Agent Podcast, where we teach you the basic economic and business principles you need to thrive in today's real estate market. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my brothers and fellow nerds, AJ and Josh. What's going on, guys? Do you have anything to share with the listeners? <laughs> Super energy. <laughs> Our energy is higher now in take three. The first two takes were very, very unenergetic. Not great. Coffee's been flowing. Jokes have been flowing. We are ready to go. Let's go. Let's get to the would you rather of the week, then. Would you rather have a really big yard? Over one acre is what we put on here. It's a decent size for the listeners here in Minneapolis. And a small house under 1,500 square feet or a really big house over 5,000 square feet and zero yard. Zero yard. First off, it's not even possible with the setback <laughs> requirements. Okay? Just saying, guys. Okay? Which city's going to approve that? Okay, none, so you have none, a 10, 10, 20. Cities, okay. 10, 10, 20. So 35 is a front setback, but it's fine. 35, 10, One 10, acre, 1,500 square foot or less. I'll take that all day. We'll play in the backyard. Hopefully, I got a walkout. We can do some some uh, slip and slides, some snow. Um, also backs up to a sledding. lake. If you didn't know that. Oh, a lake! Great. Yeah, we'll go fishing. So we, we went on that too. Phenomenal. Luke. Uh, well, if I have a five thousand square foot house and no yard, but it backs up to a lake, it's easy. The fifteen hundred square foot house backs up it's to a lake. Five thousand one is not <laughs> so um, tough. I'm taking the big house. I'm going to put a massive sport court on it, and I'm just going to stay inside for my whole life. We do live in Minnesota. I mean, yeah, in Minnesota, it's a fair point that you're only outside. I think with three months out of the year, something like that, Maybe that we're allowed two. to be outside. Um, so it's a fair point. But I prefer to have outside space versus inside space. Plus five thousand square feet. I mean, I hope I don't offend myself by saying this, but like. That's way more square footage than I need. We so. should we should post this question on the when we post the podcast and see what people think. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haley, make a note like of that. Getting into the topic I feel like we're of the week. Lose on that one, AJ. <laughs> Getting into the topic of the week. This week we are going to be talking about financing options and different loan types that your clients have. Now, preface this with it might be a little bit dry because we're talking about the different types of loans in the market. As opposed um, to prior episodes that have been really, <laughs> really, really exciting. Exciting and fun. But I do personally think that this will be, it's really important for agents to understand these different loan types, be able to talk about it because they're typically the first point of contact before connecting with the lender. Um, and also like what would be a good fit for those clients. So um, just to get us started here, talk about, tell me why agents should care about this more and why they should know about it and why it's not just the lender's job to give them this, this information up front. I mean, I, like that's been a huge thing for me as I've gone through, you know, the last eight or nine years of doing this is being able to talk confidently with consumers about what, you know, preliminary, what their options might be. Um, we talked about it at one of our meetings today, if they're transitioning houses, how they're going to do that, different products they can use to make that possible. Um, again, you're not going to do the loan yourself. You're not going to quote them an interest rate or a fee structure, but you are going to be able to talk confidently about what's happening in the mortgage market and what might be a decent option for them. So I think it's huge. Yeah. And I say a lot of people like the point about the lender, right? You still need to have a really good lender. So if you're an agent and don't you feel like you have a really good lender, first thing you should do is go out and find somebody who's going to take really good care of your clients, help explain the different options to them, help them understand which programs they qualify for, but also understanding what type of program a a client is likely going to fit into based on their situation. You can gain a lot of credibility up front with them because they know that you know what you're talking about. And strategically, it's hugely important to be like, oh, you're going to be in this loan bucket that means your options might be X, Y, and Z, or that means the way we attack your search might be different than somebody else. So 
um, you know, the way I put it is like, if you're a cash buyer, you're going to have a lot more power, buying power than a three and a half percent down FHA buyer. So there's different sort of strategies that you employ as an agent when they're in a different bucket. And I think we talk a lot about being a real estate expert and in a market where even a client is interviewing multiple, multiple different agents and the other agent knows nothing about it. You're just instantly above them because you have more knowledge. Um, and so doing whatever you can to gain more knowledge is kind of the basis of what we're trying to do here. Yep. Um, and so what we're going to do then is we're essentially going to take the uh, basic loans that you can get. We don't even have bridge loans on here that we talked about earlier. That kind of gets into the weeds. And we're just going to explain what they are, what type of buyers fit into them, um, what you can talk to buyers about about them. So yep. obviously the most commonly used typically is a conventional loan on the residential side of things. Um, so tell us about those um, in a little bit more depth. Sure. Uh, conventional loan is a loan that is not insured or guaranteed by the government. Uh, and due to that, they tend to have more stringent requirements than say other loans when it comes to credit scores, income levels. Um, but if you're an agent, you've likely sold houses with conventional loans, right? 75% of homes are bought or sold with conventional financing. So it is the most common option that is utilized. Um, they're available buyers with credit scores above 620. I mean, these are, these are like the typical rules. Uh, DTI ratios will range, but can sometimes go as high as 50%. And they can also be used with as little as 3% down. So there are some really nice conventional programs, um, as long as you do check the boxes on the front end, where you can get into a home with 3% down and still have a conventional financing option. Uh, private mortgage insurance is the big one that everyone wants to talk about. So obviously, I think most of you probably understand this and know this already, but to be repetitive, you want to get to 20% down. If you're 20% down the front end and a conventional loan, you won't have PMI. If you're not, once you get to 20% down or automatically falls off at, I think, 22. 22. And if you get 20%, you can call it and get it taken off early. So there's different things you can do with those loans uh, to try to make sure that you have the best options. Before we get too far in the weeds there, I just want to make sure, too, if you are talking with a first-time home buyer and they're putting 5% down, another point is to bring up, oh, do you know what private mortgage insurance is? Have you heard of PMI? And explaining that yep. to them because it's just another way of saying, like, I know more than the next person. Mm -hmm. Yep, 100%. Um, the other thing, if you want to get, let's say, kind of into the weeds on conventional loans, uh, there's this construct of conforming versus non-conforming, right? So conforming loans are loans that can be sold to Fannie or Freddie. Non-conforming loans are ones that based on different loan amounts or dynamic ratios or credit scores wouldn't qualify to be sold to Fannie or Freddie. Um, so that then kind of leads us into a different pathway there. Yeah, and I think that the other big one within conventional, I think, which is what you're getting at is jumbo loans. Correct. So tell us a little bit about what's the difference between a normal conventional and then a jumbo loan there. Yeah, so a jumbo is not, they're not all necessarily going to, um, I always say Fannie and Freddie's loan products, conventional loan products, are you're just fitting inside of a box. Yep. Everyone's box, all you know, save for a few different, you know, uh, loan sizes or things like that across the country, they can vary from, you know, spot to spot in terms of maximums, but pretty much everyone's box across the whole country is the same. So if you're DTI or your um, credit score or your loan amount don't fit inside of the box or your specific scenario, just the way you earn your income or any other host of things doesn't fit in that box. That's when you'd have to go to either a non-QM, which we don't need to get into, or you'd go into what you said, which is jumbo. And I think the big thing for jumbo is just knowing that here in the Twin Cities recently, that's gone up to a um, minimum loan size for jumbo of 740000 so every loan up to 740 now, it was 715, for some reason it's just kicked up just another 25 grand this week. Um, every loan value up to 740 is gonna be in that conventional bucket. Stuff over that's gonna be jumbo. And the beauty of the jumbo loan is um, banks can just portfolio those a lot of the time. And so the box can be different when you go to this mm -hmm. bank or that bank, or you know, like I'm working with a doctor 
the rules are different for the doctor than they are for this guy. And it's just, it can change from spot to spot, but they can go up to 3 million. The big thing is they have lots of overlays typically. So the one that you'll wanna know if you are gonna have a loan that's in the jumbo category is reserves. And it's one thing that a lot of people don't know about is some of them will require three months, six months, And by reserves, months. you mean? They'll have to have actually cash in the amount of the mortgage payment times however many months that they want them to do it. So like on my deal where it's well over a million dollar deal and the you know the payment's gonna be over $10,000 a month, you know, you say a year of reserves, $120,000. It's a lot of money, but mm -hmm. they're gonna have to have left over just in case. Sometimes you can get them waived depending on your situation. So again, knowing that you can talk to the banker or whoever, whatever lender you're working with and you can kind of make adjustments on the fly to their program maybe if their board will approve it yep. since they're gonna hold it in house. Whereas unconventional, if you ask like, I wanna go higher in my DTI, they're gonna be like, no, it's a non-saleable loan at that point, so we can't do that. And know your conforming loan levels, right? So as an agent, it's highly important to know what this number is because if you're working with a client that's gonna buy an 850 house, you wanna be able to talk to them about, okay, how much are you planning on putting down? If you're gonna be putting down $110,000 or less, then you're probably gonna fall into a jumbo bucket versus a conventional bucket. Are, are clients typically better off if they're on that, let's say they fit the box of credit score or DTI, right? And they have reserves. Are they are they better off putting more money down to avoid the jumbo? Or are they better off staying in the jumbo That limit? depends, and it depends would on- you who, rather? Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather? It, right now, what's funny is I think a lot of people are saying, it's so great, these loan limits can go up so high. Yep. You can now do a conventional loan at a much higher loan amount. What they don't realize is in today's environment, the jumbo loan rates today that we've been seeing are actually lower than the conventional rates. And that's been the case in a few different times throughout my career where uh, I've had clients with Wells Fargo, for instance, and Wells Fargo was trying to add a lot of clients to their banking system. They were trying to see if they could sell wealth management services. And so they were saying, oh, if you move you know, six figures of assets over to us and you move X amount of cash over to us, we're actually gonna discount that rate another quarter of a point. Mm -hmm. So they were really getting aggressive with their rates. And again, you see that because it's not, um, the marketplace is a little murkier and the incentives for each person are a little bit different and the loans aren't all going to the same place. And so you'll see varying options and degrees and rates and things happen in this jumbo space that I, I think is super unique. And I think agents should really know about. And again, to Josh's point, you should have a good lender, yep. whether that's a, person at any bank in your area that can do jumbos or a broker who has relationships with all those people that can get you the right product for the right situation. My doctor's a great example. We ended up getting a lower down payment than um, would have been required elsewhere. We ended up getting a really excellent rate on an ARM product and we ended up getting the reserve requirement thrown out. So like that was only because we knew the right person that could do the deal. Yep. But at the same time, like that, the reason why I talk about some of this stuff is like, yeah, knowing a good lender is hugely important because you can get all those things squared away. But even like, if you have a client, you want to be able to gain credibility. But all we talk about in this podcast, the reason we're doing this is because we're talking about if you are smart enough and you know what's going on, you can gain credibility with your clients. So if a client is, is buying at a higher price point, they're probably going to ask you about jumbo loans or different types of loans. And just saying, hey, let me just send you to my lender is really, really good you're probably not gonna gain credibility there, but if you spout off some of your conforming loan numbers and you spout off some of these different programs AJ's talking about, you're immediately gonna be someone that they look at as credible. I always preface that with, hey, I'm gonna connect you with my preferred guy. He's really good, he knows everything, but I pride myself on knowing enough to talk with you about it yep. right now and at least answer your basic questions because I think I should know that. And it kind of points to like, if they're talking to another agent and they don't know it again, they don't feel like they need to know it and then you're instantly above them. Yep. Um, the next one I want to talk about, 
Um, so essentially you chatted, you said fit in the box, right? So if you're conventional, you fit in the box for Fannie or Freddie, all of a sudden we start getting outside that box. Jumbo loans, we get to a higher loan amount. Mm-hmm. Um, the other couple we're going to talk about, we're going to start with FHA are going to be, whether it's credit score or DTI, um, but get into FHA loans a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, they're a great option. We've, we've all done larger loans. We've all done FHA loans. We've done a lot of different types. So FHA loans are still an incredible option for clients, especially if they're a place where maybe their credit score isn't as high or they've gone through some things financially in their past. So anything between around a 500 to a 619 um, or with something where a higher DTI ratio is required to buy that home, um, you can get some options on the FHA front. Uh, credit score is above 580 and go as low as 3.5% down as well. So it opens up some possibilities to still have a good product at a lower or a lower down payment. Um, but typically this is a, this is a, if you don't check the box, you fall into a different category from a loan standpoint. Um, it's so like bankruptcies, for example, you can't get a conventional loan within a couple of years. Foreclosure. And foreclosures, yeah. So they can always qualify quicker on FHA. Yep. Um, the one downside to them is that the private mortgage insurance, they call it on the typical loans, right, PMI. They actually are called, it's called MIP on FHA loans. So they don't have PMI, they have something called MIP, but it's essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it lives throughout the life of the loan and it requires heavy upfront funding. So there's a mortgage interest premium on the front or mortgage insurance premium on the front. So you do pay higher point or higher uh, percentages at closing for closing costs. And then you're kind of stuck with that annoying PMI component throughout. So it does kind of create some challenges for you as a buyer. Important thing to note there before we get into the appraisal side of the FHA uh, loans is that you also, though, you can refinance out of them. So if you qualify FHA right now, and then all of a sudden in five years, stuff has changed, you qualify, you want to kind of restructure that, you could then exactly. refinance the yep. conventional if you wanted to. Um, tell us about the appraisal. That's an important one, especially for agents to understand if you have a client with an FHA loan. Right. And the reason I talk about these, we're talking about these different loan types as the strategy component as agents is an FHA loan may appear to a seller, whether or not it should, sometimes it will appear to a seller as a less competitive financing option than a conventional, right? Because the seller may say, oh, they must have a low credit score or, oh, they're only three and a half percent down. This is all they can afford. And they're thinking, oh, I have to go through this FHA appraisal which depending upon the house type that you have can result in some repairs or some flags that the FHA is not comfortable with. So if they say, oh, there's peeling paint in this house, you have to scrape or peel this, otherwise you're not getting the financing for this. What home. you're saying is the appraisal on the FHA is a little bit more, they're looking a little bit more harder at health and safety stuff. Health and safety, it's much more stringent. Conventional loan, you're not gonna have any of those issues. And so it does open the seller up to additional risk, which as a buyer is important to know because you may know that you're going to be disadvantaged when they're comparing you against other potential buyers. And an agent, important to know if you have an FHA client and you're walking through the house to maybe look for some of this stuff that this might This is peeling come up. paint, it will be a problem. Peeling paint is the biggest one. And Handrails are a big smokes one. Smokes and COs. Smokes and COs. One thing I will mention is if you live in a cold weather state like we do, if there's peeling paint on the exterior of the property, you can escrow for that for yeah. post-closing because it's in Minnesota, if it's 10 degrees outside and it's peeling paint on the whole outside of the house, you can't paint it, it's not gonna stick. So make sure you're upfront with that. Make sure you mention it to the listing agent. One big strategy that I've done with these and VA, which we'll get into, is I will tell the agent upfront when they accept the offer, we're doing the inspection, we're mostly gonna be looking for stuff that the appraiser's gonna call out because you know how this works when inspections or appraisals happen, they find one thing and they're gonna try and find a bunch of other stuff. So mm-hmm. if you get, Smokes and CL is good. Handrails are all secured tightly. Everything's safe. There's no peeling paint. Post-inspection, pre-appraisal, less likely to have issues down yeah. the road. I also think that's a good point talking about um, as well setting expectations with your clients if they are FHA. Saying to them before we get to the inspe- inspection, hey, 
we have to make sure the appraisal is going to be okay. Unfortunately, since you're FHA, we just don't get some of the stuff we can do with a conventional. So we're mostly going to be trying to negotiate on what we can get the seller to fix now so we can actually get through appraisal and actually buy the house versus just trying to get money back for random stuff. Yeah, and the houses we're going to go look at, we should be thoughtful about what types of homes we're going to look at. Like looking at really old houses in certain areas that have more issues just based on their age or based on where they are is fine. We can go about that, but just know that you're likely to have some things that might pop up with your FHA loan and the seller is likely going to know that they're going to pop up. And so they may be less likely to want to work with you. Exactly. The, the one big thing that you also can do is you can you can avoid the combative natural nature of what this industry is by telling the listing agent, we're on the same team here, pal. We all have to have this stuff pass. Otherwise, this deal doesn't go through at all. So I'm just trying to help you and have you help me so that we can close this transaction together. My buyer wants to buy it. Your seller wants to sell it. Here's like one hurdle in the way. Let's just take care of this one thing because yep. I think it'll help us move forward. Exactly. And becoming the expert with the listing agent in that sense too on knowing these FHA deals is going to give you a far better chance of getting your offer accepted and getting them to work with you. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, we're going a little bit off of the loan thing here a little bit, but conventional and FHA both, when you get those loans, you can get down payment assistance with them. It's usually in the form of a second mortgage. But I want to talk about that before we move on because those are a big thing and used a lot here in Minnesota. Um, the biggest one in Minnesota that I want to talk about because you can get per county, per city, there's all these different programs depending on the lender that are more specific and um, don't always stick around either. But in Minnesota, the biggest one we have is the MHFA, which is the Minnesota Housing and Finance Administration. Um, so can you tell us kind of about that loan program? Can I just tell a story? Sure. All right, so I've only done a few of these MHFA deals, but I was early on in my career and I was hustling around and I got a lead, I think it was from my team leader at the time, and it was a Hispanic couple, Diana and Jose, they came through. I had just got done playing baseball. I still spoke Spanish because I had minored in Spanish in college. And they were really like, they didn't have much English. So they were primarily Spanish. So I could talk well enough in Spanish to talk to them, to go through the buyer meeting, the whole process, realizing that they didn't have a lot of cash on hand, but they did want to buy a house. They had jobs. They could qualify, right? So I went out and I found a Hispanic lender, um, Nancy Hostetler at Bell Bank. She was fantastic. Um, she, sorry, she was a, a white American, but spoke Spanish. And so we sat down with Nancy. Nancy just starts ripping off in Spanish to these people and educating them about the financing process. And they're like, oh yeah, they go back and forth. And I kind of understand some of it, but not all of it. But comes to comes to the point of like, they would qualify for MHFA. So it was one of my, still one of my favorite clients I've ever had. I actually went over to their house after they fixed it up and I still talk to them to this day. Um, they came to closing with a thousand bucks and they they were thrown away by literally everybody that they ever approached about buying a house. They were probably just gonna be a renter forever, but on a whim they push a button and they get to me and I get in with Nancy and they close on a house in Columbia Heights. So it was pretty awesome. It was like a $125,000 house. They still live there. But point being, they got a, additional assistance from the state to bring that three and a half percent payment down to $1,000 mm -hmm. and they were able to get into a house, which was super, super cool. So the product is great for the right person, especially if they don't have the three and a half percent down funds and they need someone to help them get there. Yep, and the biggest thing for people in Minnesota to understand, if you do just type in MHFA or Minnesota Housing Finance Administration, there's a website you can do all your research you need about it. But essentially how it works, it's a second, it's a second mortgage, um, either up to 10,000, up to 15,000, depending on the qualifications, that some people pay back monthly, the same interest rate as the first over 10 years, mm -hmm. or 
deferred when you sell, move out, or refinance, depending on qualifications, I always tell people. But you do make a good point. If someone brings up down payment assistance, and it's a great program. Me and Caitlin actually bought our first place mm-hmm. with down payment assistance, which was amazing for us. Um, the big thing to point out to clients is that if they want it, you need to make sure they understand that typically if you have the money, it does make more sense to just put it as your down payment because not only is your monthly payment gonna go up by 200 bucks maybe, um, but you're also gonna have a significantly higher interest rate on the front end. Typically it's like a half point higher is what I tell people. Um, I think just one, one yeah. caveat too is we're talking about a lot of different loan types, right? So we talked about the jumbo loans, we talked about conventional, you know, traditional loans. We talked about FHA now, we're gonna get into other things. We talked about down payment assistance. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is uh, one lender may not have all of the answers for all of those different programs. So we talked about make sure you have a good lender. Make sure you're thoughtful though about which lenders fit well in which buckets of loan types and potentially having a couple different lenders that may be best able to serve your clients in those different buckets. So if you have Just a like FHA client, maybe great, or a, a you know, Spanish speaking aid lender, maybe oh, great. Oh, like, I mean, it's like she literally helped the entire Hispanic community with this, this exact problem they were facing. They had no one that could speak their language and they potentially needed some help getting their down payment funds. Mm-hmm. She was funding hundreds of these deals, I think, yeah. because she was the solution for them. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets in with the community and then she was she was doing so many loans for these people and helping them out. So it's pretty cool. And to your point, if I have another person that comes in, whether they need a Spanish speaking lender or not, they need MHFA help, I have someone I can talk to because yeah. I've already worked with her. And make sure how to think about each client and how they best align with the best lending solution for them. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Um, so we've talked about conventional, FHA, jumbo loans, down payment assistance. I wanna get into, we have two more on here. The first one is DVA loans or VA loans, the veteran loan. Yep. Um, tell us about that, Jay. Yeah, it's um, it's one that's available to active duty members of the, the armed forces uh, or have served for 90 days continuously previously. Uh, it's a pretty incredible loan option for vets. I've, I've done a number of these ones. Uh, and the fact that they can get into a home with 0% down and no PMI is really, really incredible. Uh, only downside, once again, there's a VA appraisal that similar to the FHA appraisal can cause some concern for sellers. Uh, we'll co- similar stuff, health and safety on that front, but it's just one of those things that, you know, if you're up against a conventional loan, making sure you set the right expectations with your buyer that you could call, run into some issues because they see 0% down, they think people don't have money, even though they might have a bunch of money they just don't want to put down because they don't have to. And they see VA and they think, oh, there's going to be this scary appraisal that's coming. So, you know, as an agent, I'm always very upfront with the other agents I'm talking to. If I have VA clients, letting them know, like, financing-wise, we're really, really solid. And, you know, I looked around the house and I noticed this one thing that might be a flag for the VA. But other than that, I feel like we're in good shape. So I try to preface my buyer ahead of time versus just sending in an offer when I have these types of clients to make sure that they're best supported. I think, too, to tell the listing agent, my like you said, my buyer is very well qualified. The United States government, as a thank you to my client, yep. is offering them this loan as an option. I'm not going to encourage them not to use it well, because I think they should use it. It's generally considered the best loan you can get. It's phenomenal. Which they should be obviously be getting this option if right. you're a veteran, but it's considered the best loan on the market. It's a fantastic And similar to what you just said earlier about like making friends with the other agent, be like, you know, like you've had clients that have done VA loans too, right? Like obviously you'd encourage them to use that program if they can. 100%. You could put down money if they want to, but the reality is, is why would they not take Some advantage of this program? Some people do. Some people put down money and use For the sure. VA You can loan. use appraisal they, guarantees they actually, on a VA loan. Yeah. They actually follow the conventional loan limits and you have to put 25% down above the conventional. I've had people buying million dollar properties with VA loans yeah. and yeah. you can do it. The one thing I want to say about that though is, if you have a client that comes in that says they're doing a VA, there's a funding fee. Yep. 
It's very important. It can be over two percent, over three percent, I think, on the second purchase potentially. We can get those numbers for you. Um, always ask your client and say, Josh, you don't need to tell me what the percentage is, but do you know what your disability rating is from the VA? And if they say yes right away, they've done their exit interviews and they know what they're talking about. If they say, I'm not sure, you should say, I'm gonna connect you with the lender, but I think you're gonna have to talk to the VA and get that figured out because most veterans have some disability rating and that will impact their funding fee. Some of them will get it entirely waived. Wait, yep. Um, some of them will get it partially waived. So it's something that you need to know and need to mention to them if they've never bought a home with a VA loan before. Also really important to note, and obviously we talk about buyers should be pre-approved before they see houses. Some of them, if it's your best friend, sometimes you don't because you know they're gonna qualify, right? In a VA loan situation, you need to get the pre-approval because they have to get what's called a certificate of eligibility from the VA, yeah. and it can take a week. And so if you see a house, you literally won't be able to turn a pre-approval in one day like you can on a conventional mm -hmm. loan with a good lender. And so it's really important on a VA loan, you do everything you need to do upfront because it just takes longer to get the final approval. Yep. Yep. Um, the last one we have on here, and I know we don't brand, we, I've never used one of these, I don't know if you guys have, mm -hmm. but you have to branch kind of into the rural areas is the USDA loan. Um, so give it the people a rundown. I think that. I've offered one time with the USDA. They are 0% down. They're more geared towards encouraging people to move out, move out to rural areas. Um, I don't exactly know what the mileage from a major city is. There's rules like that and they have maps drawn basically mm -hmm. that make it so you qualify. I want to say if you're more than an hour away from Minneapolis, you're probably close to being qualifying for this sort of thing. Um, Again, we don't deal with them a lot, but if, if you're working in a rural area, I would strongly suggest this would be a, a, a you know pivotal thing that you know about. I completely agree. We don't talk about, we don't work with them a lot, but if you're in a rural area, you definitely need to know about these. And I did miss one. We do have one left, which I put on here as our favorite because we buy all our properties with commercial loans now that we're above the 10 limit. Um, commercial loans, tell us about that, kind of what it looks like. I know the terms are the most important thing here that are a little bit different, I think you should touch on. Yeah, well, I mean, at high level, they're, they're bank specific, right? So there's much more flexibility around it. They tend to be geared towards investors like ourselves. So we have the ability to work with a uh, commercial bank locally that we almost kind of designed a product in collaboration with them. So you don't have the same boxes that you're having to fit and check. You're more the bank is looking at you. It's looking at your product that you're looking to create. It's looking at your net worth. It's looking at kind of the you know, P&L that you're creating and saying, is this a worthwhile endeavor for me? Um, you know, we're talking about arms and things like that, if that's what you're talking Typically, about. Typically, they're going to be not 30 year AM. Yeah, so we have right? most of our commercial loans are five year uh, balloons. Oh, yeah, balloons. So you have the mortgage rate fixed for five years, and then it's a 25 year amortization versus a typical loan is a 30 year amortization schedule in terms of how that mortgage and interest and in, in principal is paid off. Um, but really, they vary from place to place. So I had a client who's, I'd say, if you have investor clients, this is something where you should have a good commercial banking partner that they can understand their options. Um, I had an investor client just buy a property and was looking to finance it. And he talked to four, we talked to four different commercial lenders. Some were giving 1025s, some were giving 525s, some were offering 5%, some were offering 4.9%. The rates were moving around and the products were moving around and the closing costs were moving around. So it's, it's, it's not gonna be as traditional and it's going to be more case by case so you can kind of negotiate almost a little bit and more. a lot more of a relationship game than the yeah, other products so if you're like hey we're looking to build our portfolio up to 20 properties they're like okay well that's going to be x amount in loans we'd be really interested in working with you we'll yeah. likely to give you a deal on the exactly project. yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot, a lot of people listening here probably aren't working with investors so if you aren't you can kind of disregard and focus on the other stuff but if you are working with investors you need to know this yep um all right we got through all the loans it wasn't as boring as I thought it was going to be. I thought that was fascinating. It wasn't as boring as I thought it was going to be. 
Um, what I want to do is get into a script of the week, which I think this can go a lot of different ways. So I'll let AJ take it where he's going to. But essentially, you're with a buyer at a buyer meeting. They say they know nothing about financing. I think we should focus on this being high level. Yep. What can we say to make sure they know that we know financing, we're the expert, and we're better than the rest of the market? Yeah, I mean, like I said the previous week, I pretty much always answer the question with a question, which would be something like, do you know how many funds you have available for a down payment? And do you have an idea about what your credit score is? Most people probably do. There's a lot of apps out there that like Mint, um, there's plenty of others like that. I've, that your give credit card will tell you your credit score now. Experian and like all these places, right? They'll give you like a, a fairly decent idea. It's not always perfect, but it gives you a decent idea about where your credit's at. And when they give you that, based on what we talked about previously, you know, oh, I have a 750 credit score and I'm thinking about 300,000 and I have $25,000 available, you'd say, oh, okay, well, most of my first time buyers in your scenario are gonna use what's called a conventional loan. You're gonna have to fit in the box for Fannie and Freddie. It's gonna have things like, how much debt do you have versus how much income do you have? What's your credit score? Um, what's your past credit history? And they're just gonna say, yeah, this works or this doesn't work. And that's the easiest way to explain it. I mean, it's gonna be, I say it's gonna be kind of a painful process for you. Just know you're not any more special than anybody else. It's painful for, for pretty much everybody. They're just trying to check all their boxes and make sure that you qualify for their product. But if you do qualify for that conventional loan, I tell most first-time buyers, like the scenario I'm playing out, this is the best product for you. And the majority of my first-time buyers are putting 5% down on a conventional loan. It's a very normal way to do it. And I usually do, even if they fit into that box, let's say they're definitely a conventional buyer, I usually lay out the VA and FHA just so they understand what the other options are. And sure. say like, this could be an option, you're gonna be this, but just so you have this knowledge, these are your other options. You can always keep like, what is VA, what is FHA, what is conventional are kind of the three basic ones. It's also um, a great opportunity to then help connect them with a lender and 100%. make them a sticky client in the future, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you wanna talk about financing? Like here are some of your options. But the next move that happens in this process typically is that you would actually set up time with a lender, they would go through your docs, they would talk to you about what you wanna buy and they would give you that letter called a pre-approval that then if you find the house of your dreams, you can actually use that to offer with me to buy that house. So it's a good opportunity for you to help kind of funnel them through the process of the next step. Because most people aren't going to probably say this to you at a cookout if they're not at least somewhat interested yeah, in buying exactly. a house. Um, and that's all we have today. I know we went a little bit over, but we were planning to already split the business tip and the real estate tip into two different podcasts. So if you're looking for the business tip this week, it will be about five minutes and it's going to be a separate podcast. That's all we have. We'll see you next week on the Nerdy Agent Podcast. <laughs> yeah.